I can only, can only imagine the conversation as word began to spread. Did you say an ox goad? An ox goad? An ox goad? Hmm. Seriously. Yeah, I mean, I didn't actually see it, but that's what I heard. Time out. I mean, I can understand their confusion since an ox goad was typically used as a farming tool. It was like eight to 10 feet long and it was a pole. And on one end was a metal tip for the purpose of training and driving oxen who were working. And then the opposite end contained more of a hoe or a hatchet or scythe or some kind of tool like that to clean off the dirt off the edge of a plow. It probably wasn't often used as a mighty weapon of choice. Nevertheless, as the gears in an old clock turn, the gears in their minds began to turn, developing a picture as if they were standing right there. At that moment, on the battlefield, one ox code, 600 enemy warriors. Okay, time out again. I mean, I don't know about you, but the picture of warriors in the movie of 300 are flooding my mind right now. Do you know what I mean? Like think Gerard Butler, thundering thighs, bulging biceps, ripped eight pack, sweat dripping down in the midst of an intense battle scene, sword raised above his head, screaming, this is Sparta. Do you know what I'm talking about? Ladies? Uh-huh. Guys, come on. I know that, that probably all of us have stood in front of a mirror, whether it's in our bedroom or our bathroom, and recreated this scene in front of our mirror. Just boom, right? This is Sparta. But I need you to have this image. Back to the ox code. Substitute the sword for an ox goad. And this moment was probably more similar than we often imagine when we read scripture. There he was, standing in front of an army of ruthless warriors, thundering thighs, bulging biceps, ripped eight packs, sweat dripping down. Ox goad raised above his head, screaming, I am Shamgar, sent by the God of Israel. And at that moment, he begins to sprint. He sprints toward the Philistine army. As he meets the first, he takes him down, puncturing him. And then he uses the other end of the, of the ox code and he slices through with the blade on another Philistine warrior. 
And one after another and multiple at the same time, he began to work his way through the enemy warriors. A warrior, a judge, a man empowered by God to save Israel when they cried out to God in their time of need. You see, we can look through the book of Judges and we see that, that the Israelites, they are focused on God and they, are, they know that they cannot do life alone and they are dependent on God. But then we get to the point where they begin to be comfortable doing things on their own and they kind of get away from depending on God. And then they get into trouble. And they begin, as, they, as they're doing their things on their own, they get into trouble and they realize that they can't do it alone. And so again, they'll cry out to God and God would send another judge to, to save the Israelites. And this happened over and over again. And then we see in Judges chapter 3, verse 31, we see the entire story of Shamgar in one verse. After Ehud came Shamgar, son of Anath, who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad. He too saved Israel. You see, the Israelites would, would go through times of not being dependent on God. And then God would send a judge who, who was fully dependent on him. And he, they would save the Israelites. The reality is we don't know much about Shamgar or even these events. This is all Samuel wrote about him. Was it 600 men in one battle or 600 men over a span of time? We don't know. But either way, we do know, as one author wrote, it is no matter how weak the weapon is, if God directs and strengthens the arm. An ox goad, when God pleases, shall do more than Goliath's sword. You see, life was never meant for us to live apart from God. We were meant to live in community with God, be dependent on God. And when we're dependent on God, he does amazing things in our life, just like he did here through and in Shamgar. So why share about a warrior like Shamgar in the midst of a series through Paul's letter to the church of Ephesus? Well, I'm glad you asked. You see, from the 17th to the 19th centuries, advances in physics, chemistry, biology constituted an era in history known as the scientific revolution. It's difficult to overstate just how significantly modern life has been impacted by the discoveries and progresses of this era. However, there was a tragic side effect to all of this progress. As our knowledge of the physical world grew, our awareness of the spiritual world shrank exponentially. Despite the fact that Christians believe or say they believe in the spiritual world, we often live as if there's not one. Perhaps the church of Ephesus had this tendency as well. And maybe that's even why Paul turned his attention and ends his letter going back to the spiritual side of life. 
At the end of Ephesians 6, Paul shows us why we have such a hard time physically living into the reality of which we've been saved. It's because there's nothing purely physical about our life. We, we live a physical life, but we also are spiritual beings. We live a spiritual life as well. We participate in a spiritual war. And we have to recognize that we're not the only combatants on the battlefield. So, week 10, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 24, let's armor up because God, our God, is a warrior. Join me in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. You see, God is a warrior, and we have to see, number one, that God saves His people. We have to see that God saves His people. In fact, if we went to the book of Exodus, we would watch God save the Israelites from slavery. And after God saved the Israelites from slavery and after he judged the Egyptians at the Red Sea, Moses began to lead all of Israel in spontaneous worshiping of God through song. You want to know one of the things they worshiped and praised him for? It's found right there in Exodus chapter 15, verse 3. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. You see, God has always and will always be a champion of his people. He's the warrior who brings salvation. So we see that God saves his people. But then we also see in this verse right here that God strengthens his people. He offers his wisdom, his power, his might to those who follow him. You see, Paul says here, finally, okay, I've told you all of these things, chapter Ephesians chapter 1 all the way to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 9. I've told you all of these things, and now all that remains, finally, all of the rest is right here. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. You see, Knowing that God is a warrior, Paul calls the church of Ephesus to fully depend on him to give us the power to fight the good fight of faith that we've been called to in Jesus. We see Paul actually talk to to the guy he was mentoring. He he told this to, right? In in Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, he says, Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you, were, when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. You see, I think our tendency is to rely on our own power and our own wisdom, but that's not what Paul is calling us to, and it's not what we're called to as believers. We must not lean on our own power or understanding, but on the power and the wisdom of our victorious warrior, God. Let me give you an example 
of being dependent and fully trusting God. I'm going to ask one of my friends, Ben, to come up and he's going to join me on stage. And, and I'm, going to, I'm going to give you a, a, an example of what it looks like to fully depend on someone. Because, Ben, I want to ask you a question. Do you trust me? Yes, I do. Wow. That's scary, isn't it? Okay. Ben's saying he fully trusts me, but he doesn't even know what I'm asking him to do yet. Ben, I'm going to ask you to, to turn around. You don't have to yet. I'm going to ask you to turn around and I'm going to want you to close your eyes. And on the count of three, if you trust me, I want you just to fall back. And guess what? I'm going to catch you. Do you still trust me? Yes. Okay. Ben says he still trusts me, but here's the reality. We can say that we trust each other. We can say that we trust God, but we can still not be fully dependent, right? Because until Ben falls into my arms, he's still in control. He can say he trusts me, but he isn't fully dependent until he lets go. And so I think it's important now to see if Ben is going to be really dependent on me. Because if he is dependent on me and I don't catch him, he's probably going to get hurt. He's either going to hurt his tailbone or his head or if nothing else, his pride, right? Because this, this is on tape, right? And so you guys are going to be able to continue to see this if that happens. But, but if Ben trusts me and becomes fully dependent on me, then he's going to fall back when I count to three and I'm going to catch him because I've told him that's what I'm going to do. Okay, let's try this out. Are you ready? All right, turn around for me. I'm going to put the mic down. And we're gonna, I'm going to count to three, and you're going to fall back. Sound good? Okay. You guys ready? Okay. I'm, I think I'm ready. Okay. Let's try this. Are we ready? One, two, three. Awesome. Hey, everybody give Ben a hand. Yeah. Hey, Ben not only said that he trusted me, but he also went and fully depended on me because he let himself fall back into my arms. Did he know I was going to catch him? Well, he trusted that I was going to because I told him to. And since we have a relationship and he knows that my word is good, then he's going to trust me. But, but he fully depended on me when he just let go, released, and fell backwards. You see, we can say that we trust God until we're blue in the face, but until we proceed with action to back that up, it's just words. And we can still be relying on our own wisdom and our own strength and our own power. But once we back that up with action, now we're fully dependent on God. We talk about Shamgar to start, right? He could say, God, I trust you. But until he began running at the Philistine warriors, there was no action there. Once he took that first step with his ox goad, began to, to tear through the enemies, now, now we see a full dependence on God because you're not going to take a farming tool and defeat 600 enemies apart from God. God is the one that gives us the power, the strength, the wisdom to be able to fight the good fight of faith. 
So what does being a warrior have to do with us? Well, in Christ, we are warriors. Did you get that? In Christ, when we place our trust in Jesus for our salvation, we are warriors. And we do battle with God's wisdom and with his power. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 11 through 17 says this, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You see, in Christ, we are warriors. God is a warrior. But the thing is, is we have to realize we are at war. And I think as believers, sometimes we get in the midst of life and we forget and we're living this physical life. We're living into the reality of this physical life, but we forget that we are also a spiritual being who is in the midst of a spiritual battle. We're at war. You see, being saved by Jesus means that you've made peace with God. And he's forgiven your sins. We see that in Romans 5.1, right? Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But that doesn't mean that your life is always going to be easy and peaceful. I think that's a misconception that many become Christians, followers of Jesus, because they think, oh, that's the answer to an easy life. no. That's the answer to not have to live separated from God forever, for eternity. But it's not the answer to an easy life here on earth. Here on earth, we're still engaged in this spiritual turmoil, this spiritual battle. We're dropped right on the battlefield. You see, by ceasing to be God's enemy, we now become enemies of the spiritual forces at work in the world. And so we see that, and if we believe that we are at war, we also need to see that we are equipped for battle. We as believers, as followers of Jesus, we are equipped for battle. I'm so thankful that God doesn't send us into this battle without the right equipment. And Paul, he gives us this picture of what would be very clear to, to them in this day of a soldier's armor. And I think we actually have a clear picture of that too because of history and seeing it in history books and growing up and seeing armor on a Roman soldier's like that can take us right to that moment and we can understand what this looks like. You see, Paul would have actually probably seen 
this armor on a Roman soldier on a daily basis because he was under arrest. He may have even been chained to one of these soldiers. And we could even go piece by piece through these different pieces of, of armor in detail. We could spend a week on each of them, but for the purpose of this series and, and what I believe Paul is trying to get across here to the church of Ephesus, we're going to look at this armor as a whole. Because God is saying, put on the whole armor of God, right? Paul is saying, put on the whole armor of God. Don't forget one piece. Put it all on. You're going to need it all in this spiritual battle. And so we're going to look at it in that way this week because we begin with the belt of truth. We begin looking at the belt of truth and it's, it's there for the purpose of guarding against the enemy's lies. Satan loves loves to lie to us, make us think certain things. So we begin to think we're less than who we are. We begin to question our identity, but this truth that God has already given us in his word can remain with us and we can have that strapped to us. It holds everything in place and we can stand confidently in the knowledge that we have about our warrior God. And then we move to the breastplate of righteousness, which is there for the purpose of resisting temptation. Because the enemy is going to, to put temptations in front of us. And what might tempt me may not tempt you, but Satan's going to go directly to each of us and tempt us in ways that, that are the easiest ways for us to fall. And so we, we remain in the righteousness that God has given to us through Jesus. Through Jesus' death, we have been declared righteous. And so we, we put on the, the breastplate of righteousness. And it must always remain on the forefront of our minds as we battle spiritually. And then God has given us the gospel of peace the gospel of peace for the purpose of standing firm in Christ. You see, God has given us the good news of Jesus Christ. We know the verse, right? We've memorized this verse, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. That's the good news of the gospel. And God calls us to be ready to proclaim it in the midst of a battle. You see, the Roman soldiers had their sandals or their shoes, and, and they would put almost like rocks in the bottom of them so that they could stand their ground as they're battling. They're not getting pushed backwards. In fact, in the midst of battle, they're going to begin to be able to walk. Just picture cleats in your mind, right? You're going to be able to, to gain traction and move forward in the battle because of the word of God, because of the gospel of peace. I think right now our world needs peace. They need, our world needs believers to continue to not just hold ground, but also to, to, to make moves forward with peace, offering peace, the only peace that you can find, and that's in Jesus Christ. So we need to, as believers, put on the gospel of peace. Then 
we, we move on to the shield of faith, right? For the purpose of protecting against Satan's attacks. You see, the Roman soldiers, they would have these, these large shields, like four feet tall by two feet wide. And they would be in groups. And so the first line of defense would be there with their shields and they would squat behind them and they would all have their shields side by side creating a wall. And then the second group of soldiers that were behind them, well, they've got their front protected from, from the enemy, but they don't have the top protected yet from the enemy. And, and when you're shooting arrows, the enemy can shoot them up and they can actually get you from above. And so the second group would raise their shields above both of them, the first group and the second group, and they would be able to protect the front side and the top side from enemies that were attacking. And so we're, we've been given the shield of faith. We have this faith in Jesus that we can continue to, to grow and work on. And it's so important so that we have this in the time of, of Satan's attacks and the time of the enemy's attacks. Then we move on to the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation for preserving the faith that we just talked about. The faith that continues to grow in each of us as we continue to, to become more and more like Jesus. The more we grow, the more faith we have, the more faith we can protect with the helmet of salvation. We have been saved. If we place our trust in Jesus for our salvation, we have been saved. And we can rest in that. And then we have the sword of the Spirit. And the sword of the Spirit is for the purpose of prevailing with God's Word. You see, we don't fight with fists or swords or guns or bombs. No, no, no. We fight with the saving message of Jesus Christ. And that's herein lies the great truth of Christian warfare. We don't fight to kill. We fight to save. It's different, right? That is backwards. But it's the truth. We don't fight to kill. We fight to save. Our warrior God does not fight to kill. He fights to save that none would perish. So we ceaselessly share the word of God so others may be saved from eternal separation from God. So we see that our great warrior God has given us all we need to fight the war that he has called us to. And we're strengthened and equipped for battle. So now what? We see that God is a warrior. We see that in Christ, we are warriors. So number three, therefore, be prepared. Therefore, be prepared. If we're warriors because of what Christ has done for us, we are on the front lines of the battlefield of this spiritual war. So we must be prepared as Paul talked about. We must put on the full armor of God. But we get to a final piece. Some might even call it the seventh piece of armor. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 to 20 says this, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert 
And always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. And so if we're to be prepared, I think that we need to ask some questions. And the first being this, am I even in the battle? Okay, if I need to be prepared, am I in the battle? Being a follower means we have enemies. It should make the, the hairs on our back or our spine just tingle. Because it's not even enemies that we see, it's the spiritual realm. And so do you live with wartime mentality? And by that, do your daily choices, do your daily choices line up with God's mission? What's God's mission? Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, right? Making disciples of all nations. That's what we've been called to. And so are we going in our daily choices and making choices that would gain ground for God, for the glory of God? Are we gaining ground against the spiritual forces? Are we in the battle? And then once we've asked that question, we move on to the fact that we must consider what parts of the armor am I neglecting? What parts am I neglecting? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, and the reason that we're going all through these at one time is because Paul is saying here how vital, how important it is to put on the full armor. You see, God has equipped us with everything we need, but here's the crux. We have to be intentional about using it. God can give us everything we need, but we still have to be intentional about using it, right? God gave Shamgar an ox goat, but he had to be intentional about using it. God gives us these pieces of armor to fight a spiritual battle that is going on all around us, but we have to be intentional to armor up. And so what pieces are you neglecting or ignoring? And once we've gone through those, we need to then engage in the battle. We need to engage in the battle. We need to put on the armor beforehand, right? Before Satan attacks you in every way that feels so real to each and every single one of us. We need, what does that look like? We need to read God's word. We need to commit it to, to memory. It's called memorizing scripture. Why? Because we're not always going to have our Bible in front of us. Although if we have our phones now, we have that option so much easier, but we're not always going to have access quickly to, to our phone to actually go to the Bible app because then we're going to get distracted and go to Instagram or something else. And, and that's how Satan gets us. And so memorize scripture so that when he, he feeds you lies, you can say, no, I know the truth. I know who I am in Christ. I know that's not true. We need to listen to God's word preached. We need to fellowship with other believers, encourage each other. But here Paul offers the most important aspects of engaging in spiritual warfare. It's prayer. 
Paul calls us to pray all kinds of prayer on all kinds of occasion. In verse 18, he says to pray constantly, always be in the mindset of prayer, of talking with God. Pray specifically for what you need. Okay, are there things that you need specifically to fight this battle? Well, pray for them. Ask God for them. Remember, he's going to give us his wisdom and power. So ask. Pray watchfully about what you see. When you see things, pray about them. And pray lovingly for all other believers as they fight with you. Paul goes through Ephesians and Message sure does seem a lot like unity, right? Not just unity between you and your family, but that too. But also between church staff and also between congregation and also between church body and also between all the church bodies in Hemet San Jacinto in the world, right? Let's pray that we could be united and battling together in this. You see, the moral of this story is that there's much more to the world than we see with our eyes. And so if chapters 1 to 3 that Paul discusses are true, all the truths we see in chapters 1 to 3 and chapters 4 to 6 are what we are called to, then the end of chapter 6 is the only appropriate conclusion. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. It's real. It's going on right now all around us. Paul concludes Ephesians 6 verses 21 to 24. Tychicus the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord will tell you everything so that you may also know how I am and what I'm doing. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. He ends it in, in a way of unity, in a way of loving people, in a way of saying, I want you to know about me. These things are extremely important, so I'm going to write them down so that you don't forget them. But Tychicus is going to, he's going to tell you how I'm doing and what we're up to. I want to be in this relationship. I want to be united in Christ. And so all that remained we see in this closing, he gives them personal information, right? And then he prays God's blessing on them. And so let me close in a similar manner with a blessing for you. And so if you will just raise your hands out in front of you with your palms facing up, open, open and facing up, will you receive this as I give you this blessing? Ephesians chapter 6 verses 18 to 20 again says this, Pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. You see, that should be our cry. 
that we would be faithful, letting people know the hope that we found in Jesus. And so based on God's word, may you be empowered to pray at all times and equipped with the armor of God to stand firm. When you speak, may you fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, trusting that God will defend you. Father God, we thank you for what you are doing in each of our lives, Lord. I pray that this would be a great reminder of the the fact that there is more to this world than physical, but we are engaged in a spiritual war and we have been equipped. We have to be intentional to put on the armor that you have equipped us with. So God, I pray that each of us would do that so that we are ready when Satan attacks, so that we are ready to encourage others when Satan attacks them. God, so that you would be glorified and that more would be added to your kingdom daily. God, we ask you to work through us, work in us. We love you and we pray these things in your name. Amen.